0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in to another edition of 5th Avenue Face-Off. I am your host, Chris Mack. Uh, a special guest coming up in a few minutes. Yep, we're going to preview the Dallas Stars who come to town on Tuesday night to play the Penguins. Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan in Dallas and the Spits and Suds podcast, he co-hosts with Craig Ludwig, will join us to give sort of a behind-the-enemy-lines look at the Stars who have played exceedingly well through the first few games, well, up until Saturday night. Much like the Penguins, they had a terrible game Saturday night, the Stars. The difference? They won against the Flyers because the Stars did something Saturday night against the Philadelphia Flyers that's never been done before, ever, in the history of the National Hockey League. We'll get into that with Gavin in just a couple of minutes, but let's talk about the Penguins and their Saturday night. And Mike Sullivan, you could tell, was, excuse the language, earmuffet, kids, if you would, pissed off. You could see it on the bench in the first period when he ripped his team, called a timeout, ripped them on the bench, I mean, made point to... Look at every single face up and down the bench while he was screaming at them to say, get it together. What is wrong with you guys? You look disinterested. You look sluggish. And they did. For the most part, there wasn't a guy on the ice that looked good in the first two two periods. Most of this game, to be quite honest. Redeem Zahorna, Drew O'Connor, Lars Eller ended up having a nice night. Statistically, uh, they get one of the two goals. Finally, a bottom six goal. Finally. Thank you very much, guys. And it was Big Z, who, who's who been calling for Big Z since really the beginning of the preseason and has two thumbs. This guy, uh, good to see him getting an opportunity with Eller and O'Connor and looking good in doing so. I said it way back a month ago, even before that, at the beginning of training camp, Zahorno looks much faster than he has at any point at the NHL level before, and he's still got the size. So that's good. A a step or two more in quickness with that size really makes things happen, as you saw Saturday night. But that was the lone bright spot was that third line. The fourth line still looked bad. The top two uh, forward lines, the top six, they weren't producing. The power play is still uh, just sort of, uh, as I saw Josh Yoey put it in The Athletic over the weekend, uh, playing Frisbee in the park, right? Just tossing it around the outside. Nobody's getting the puck on the net. The only other goal you got Saturday in St. Louis was Evgeny Malkin on a breakaway, fresh out of the box, angry Malkin proving to be for the most part better than the angry Malkin we've seen in the past because angry Malkin in the past has taken dumb penalties was not a dumb penalty. He got hit with on Saturday night in St. Louis. In fact, it was a questionable call. I think they ended up killing the penalty. That's great. But, but their power play when they got chances, didn't do anything And this power play continues to struggle to find a rhythm. So Mike Sullivan, when asked Saturday night after the game, what he was going to do to to fix everything, and they're two and three now, uh, and all five games, mind you, to this point, have been played against teams that either didn't make the playoffs last year and or aren't expected to make the playoffs this year and or borderline cases, okay? So they, they, they need to make the most of these first 11 games when nine of them, are against teams that are borderline playoff teams at best. At best, most of these teams, the 9 out of 11 they have to start the year that aren't Dallas and Colorado, are teams they should beat if they play well. And they're missing out on these chances to stack up points. The problem then is the second 11 games, and I didn't just cherry pick that number, the second 11 games, other than what, one against Columbus, I think, and maybe another soft one in that eleven. They've got big-time opponents when you look at the schedule in the second 11 games. And if they haven't stacked points in the first month of the season, they're going to be in trouble early on. If we look up come December 1st and this team is struggling to keep pace with what is going to be a stacked field in the Eastern Conference, they'll have nobody to blame but themselves. And they've got an opportunity Tuesday night against the Stars, I think, to actually use the increased speed that they have now to their advantage because Dallas may want to play that kind of game. I will be honest. Dallas a bigger team, an inch taller, 10 pounds heavier on average across the roster than the Penguins. That being said, they like to skate. They can skate really well. A lot of skill. hints, uh Robertson, uh Dadnov, Duchene, Sagan, Marchment, all of them, they can skate. Heishkinen, uh, and paw. guys all over the roster for the Stars can skate and burn you with their speed. That being said, it feels like the Pens, I I don't want to say they need to open it up because they played a little chickens with their head cut off-ish on Saturday and it did not work out. But play more controlled. Use your speed in spots. Pick and choose to take advantage of the openings that the opposition gives you. And if those opportunities only come in the power play, you better capitalize on them. A change made by Mike Sullivan at practice on Monday, taking Ricard Raquel off the top power play, putting Brian Rust up there. If that's the only change that happens, I don't know if that's enough to get at least two points out of these two games against Dallas and Colorado, which they desperately need. They can't drop both of these games. If they are two and five headed into the weekend, then they are in a very, very bad place, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because, yeah, it's Ottawa and Anaheim and then the Sharks and then Anaheim again. But like I said, you can only stack so many points now after the first seven games before the schedule heats up in a big way. L.A. on November 9th and then the Sabres. And then after a trip to Columbus, Devils, Hurricanes, Golden Knights, Rangers, Sabres, Leafs. Oof. So, by the time you get through Thanksgiving weekend they could be in a bad, bad spot. They've got to stop playing down to the level of competition because there's no guarantee they're going to be able to lift things up to the level of competition when it steps up out west against L.A. and then back home for, like I said, Buffalo, Jersey, Carolina, Vegas, the Rangers. Um, This is a team badly in need of some inspiration and some chemistry on the power play. They still haven't found that. We'll see if injecting Brian Rust into that thing Brings it some life. The Stars, speaking of power plays, they've got a good one. They've also got a penalty kill that has kept them in games at times. But the power play was the special teams problem for Dallas on Saturday night. So much so that they did something that hasn't been done in NHL history before in beating the Flyers and surviving the Flyers, I guess I should say. Saturday night in Dallas. We'll get into that next. Start to preview Penn Stars on Tuesday night at PPG Paints Arena with Gavin Spittle of Odyssey Sister Station. 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. He co-hosts with Craig Ludwig, the Spits and Suds podcast. Gavin Spittle next here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome back in to 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm your host, Chris Mack. So we've talked now at length about what has gone on through the first five games for these Penguins and the disappointing effort Saturday night in St. Louis. Something weird happened Saturday night with their opponent coming up on Tuesday. The Dallas Stars are headed to town, and it's the avalanche on Thursday, so no let-up. This week, a big week for the Penguins if they're going to bounce back from this slow start. Joining me from 105.3, the fan in Dallas and the Spits and Suds podcast, co-hosted by Craig Ludwig and himself, it's Gavin Spittle. Gavin, thanks for the time. How are you, man?
0: Man, it's great to see you, Chris. Great to be on Fit That Face Off, man. This is... uh. This is awesome. Always uh, always exciting when we're playing the Pens.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, before we get to Stars-Pens on Tuesday, Saturday night was crazy. I mean, yeah. the Dallas Stars did something they've never – and nobody's ever done in the history of the league. Give up three shorthanded goals and still win a game. They did that against the Flyers on Saturday night. Um, let's start with Saturday night specifically. Is that just – luck or is that just running into a bad team who wasn't able to make the stars pay for it? A little bit of both. What? Well, I think the one thing that, you know, the flyers do is they're
0: actually pretty good shorthanded and um, they get opportunities. And I, I think, I think torts came into this game and said, you know, I actually think torts laid out uh, kind of a video game plan of what teams need to do against the stars they were, granted, they spent time, a lot of time in the penalty box, but the physicality and mm-hmm. trying to push this Stars team around and try to slow them down, I think did pay some dividends. But, you know, those, I understand giving up a shorthanded goal. Uh, the, what I was curious about was how when you're up by two goals and you go on the power play, late in the third period do you not take more of a defensive approach now granted they did catch some bad puck breaks but at the same time you know you have to have kind of a more defensive mindset and i've been trumpeting the horn on spits and suds one of the things i've said is i love how at the end of the game under rick bonus they'd kind of go into a shell and hold on to a lead they did that you know with jim montgomery as well when they were coaches mm-hmm. now it's go 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 Well, that's awesome to see, but, you know, they're very lucky to get out of Saturday night with two points.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you mentioned the Flyers and Torts taking that physical tack against them because I I look at the Stars roster and I see one of the five or six bigger, stronger teams in the league. Um, In fact, when when they get to Pittsburgh on Tuesday, the Penguins will be giving up something like, I want to say half an inch in height and 10 pounds of weight Um, as an average across the board, not to mention the Stars are about a year and a half younger than the Penguins too, the oldest team in the league. So when we get to Tuesday night at PPG Paints Arena, is that a strategy you think the Stars can use against a smaller team like the Penguins? And again, three quarters of the league is smaller than Dallas. Um, Do they, they perhaps take that and turn it on its ear and say, hey, the Flyers did it to get us out of our game, maybe, even though we know we can skate, we use our size to push a little bit, lean a little bit on a team that's a little older and maybe struggling to find their rhythm.
0: I would love to see that, Chris. I really would. I think the stars physicality wise are more of a reactionary team. You know, we saw that in the first game against, um, or sorry, the second game when they were in Vegas and lost in overtime. Um, When Vegas became physical, they became physical. We saw the same thing the other night against the flyers. So, Um, I think they know the strategy is to try to push them around and I think they try to respond. Um, But it would be a good game plan going in. You know, Pittsburgh has not been a friendly place for the stars. And so I think, you know, this is to, to me, even though the pens have, you know, kind of struggled, this is a good test because as you mentioned, then Colorado comes in in a couple of days, I think we thought Colorado was going to be really good in the West Um, I had it as Vegas, Colorado, Dallas, and I had Edmonton in there. Edmonton's Mm -hmm. off to a slow start as well, but I didn't anticipate Colorado would be as good or play as well as they have. So I, I, you know, it's, to me, it's a premium, two points, kind of a wacky schedule too, for the stars um, in that they played St. Louis to open the season on a Thursday Tons of time off. They went and practiced in California because they played the Knights on Tuesday, and then Thursday in Anaheim, Saturday, at. then they fly home, play Philly, go to Pittsburgh, and then come back to play the Maple Leafs. So they have truly been all across the United States
1: early in this season. Yeah, that Western Conference travel is not a favor to anybody out there. It's it's funny you mentioned the ability to, to get things done in overtime. I know shootouts in particular have been a focus for Pete DeBoer, and that he's had guys staying after practice, working on the side rink uh, after the after practice is over on shootouts. It's it's worked. It's materialized in some positive results early this season. Limited sample size but the stars seem to be turning things around in, in overtime and shootouts early this year.
0: Yeah. I think it comes down to uh, the depth and uh, picking up Matt Duchesne, who's really good in the shootouts. Um, He's just been a real solid addition to the team might not show up in the stat sheet, but you know, he's, he's creating uh, kind of a lot of havoc. You know, he's done a really good job at that. Um, And, you know, I think, One of the things I love about this stars team and the makeup, they really haven't had this kind of depth, Chris, since Mm -hmm. the 99 cup run. So when you're talking shootouts, you know, I I think you know it starts with they're gonna go with Robertson, and then all of a sudden you got a guy like Duchesne who pops into the top three. And uh, you know, then usually you'll go hints. But I mean, Tyler Sagan's a really good shootout guy as well. Then you have Jamie Benn. So you even have depth as far as shootout. And then, you know, we got to talk about the backstop of the Stars and Jake Ottinger. You know, he's just been terrific. Very, uh, a good comparison is a goalie who played here at Ben Bishop, in that, you know, Tuesday night, you're not going to see, you might see a flashy save, but it's more the size, similar to Vasilevsky. You know, you got that size and he's just so calm. In fact, one of the things he likes to do is, is, You know, that's his way of showing that he's in control is he'll make a save when he knows he's going to break. He'll bring it to the face off circle and drop it. So, you know, it's just a ho-hum for Jay He He's, you know, I mean, the stars start with Miro Hashkinen, you know, and a lot of people are trying to get him in the Norris conversation. Um, But at the same time, you know, I think it starts and stops with Jay Godinger.
1: You know, that's a great point. What five goals in his first three games um, that that's where you sort of build everything off of. It's something that's a constant conversation here in Pittsburgh about our number one goaltender and Tristan Jari and that he makes the saves he's supposed to make more often than not. But we still have yet to see him make the big saves that maybe he's not expected to make that can save a game that can turn momentum in a big moment other than a shootout save in one instance last week in Detroit. He hasn't really made those big saves to sort of stem the tide. To your point, Jake Ottinger is doing more than just giving the stars a chance to win. He's going out and taking charge and throwing the game on his shoulders. And that's that's something the Penguins haven't found yet. You mentioned Duchesne, and I think it's interesting how he fits together with Sagan and Marchment. That, that's an interesting line, especially when you pair it up with the Dadanov line with Ben and yep. Wyatt Johnson. And that's as strong a middle six as anywhere in the league. And I think, again, to compare it to what the Penguins have or don't have, the Penguins are very clearly stratified. There are the top two scoring lines, the, the top six, and then it's still a struggle to find anything from the third and fourth lines, although the third line played a little bit better Saturday in St. Louis with Redeem Zahorna added on to O'Connor and Eller. Um, just how... How, how powerful is the, the, the fact that they have a second and third line, a middle six, that can dictate the pace of play the way both of those lines can?
0: I mean, it's it's massive. Um, what it used to be as far as the Dallas team is you'd have the Pavelski-Robertson-Hintz line, and then you would have uh, Ben Sagan. Sorry. Yeah, at that time, it would be Ben Sagan. But then you'd be looking at two lines where it's just, hey, just don't allow the other team to score. And now you've had, I mean, people, we've forgotten already how Ben and Sagan were together on the same line for a long time. And so now you're looking at that depth, like I've talked about in that fourth line, I wouldn't be surprised at some point if Pete Debord, you know, it's tough because Marchman um, ha- makes a good salary. When he was signed by Dallas, he was in competition with a couple of other teams. So he signs with Dallas, but he's just not performed and he's got great size. Uh, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he continues on this pace if they don't move him down to the fourth line and kind of elevate uh, like a Ty DeLandria, who's played really well in that fourth-line position, kind of the Swiss Army knife of the stars. Uh, but it does two things. It provides line depth. It's it's massive. It's no longer, you know, just prevent. It's be aggressive. And the other thing is in case of injuries, you know, because uh, your your teammates are going to go down, and, you know, we talked about a Duchesne. If, if it's necessary, Duchesne can move up to the second line. Sagan plays on that first line um, if, if, you know, one of them can't go. So they are interchangeable parts. And I, I think that depth will play massive dividends in the end. And then, you know, quickly, I'd like to point out one of the great things that I'm excited about as the Stars team is the prospects. And while it seems at the surface that a Joe Pavelski's old, although you would never know it, at 39 years old, and then, you know, Jamie Ben's getting up there, Tyler Sagan, you know, these are veteran players. But at the same time, there's a wave coming up from the Texas Stars and Logan Stankoven, Maverick Bork, Leon Bixel, who's a six-five, six-six defenseman. We might see by the end of the year to provide that physicality that's needed on that blue line. So I think the future is bright as well. So it's a combo of they need to win now, but at the same time, the future is coming too.
1: Well, and that system, that the De boer go go go" system that you mentioned, lends itself to something you also mentioned earlier. I want to circle back around to real quick before I let you run, and that's the 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 Haskinen uh, Norris candidacy. That that you know, it'll probably be pushed like a Heisman candidacy all year. But but he does. He has the size. He has the speed. He's got the capability of going off in some instances, like he did in Anaheim the other night, where he had a three point night. Um, are they though deep enough on the blue line? You know, once you get past the top three, especially yeah. when you consider the advanced age of Ryan Souter, um, is there a worry that, especially when you get into the spring and you need to be a little bit deeper on the blue line, you need to be four or five deep on the blue line with guys you really trust given injury issues. Are they deep enough there to really put it together and make a run later in the year?
0: I think if Ryan Souter was your third line, um, defenseman, it'd be great, but he's yeah. your first line. And that's, he's paired with Miro. And I think that's where the prospect Liam and Bixel comes in. He was their top draft pick a couple of years ago. Big guy, six foot six, exerts physicality, uh, carries the puck well. And, um, you know, let's see how he does in uh, Texas this year. But I think he's on his way up. Could even see him around the trade deadline. And, you know, that, that's what they did with Thomas Harley last year. They had him in in the AHL, brought him up, and he paid, played major playoff minutes. You know, the guy that I've been really impressed with is Nils Lundquist. He was the uh, player that they traded a first-round pick to the Rangers to grab him. Wasn't getting a lot of playing time in New York. He's performed very well. When it comes to Haskinen and the Heisman, I mean, it's tough to get, you know, past Victor Hedman, Adam Fox. I mean – you know, I mean, Stars fans can say what they want, but, you know, those guys are amazing. So, and you also have a guy in Pittsburgh who's pretty amazing as well. So, a couple now, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, a couple. Absolutely. So, you know, if if they stay healthy, I think they can be in the Norris race as well. So, I mean, I think it would be a great honor for Heishkinen. You know, his time on ice is really impressive. You know, he's very good defensively, probably didn't have his best game on Saturday night. But, you know, at the same time, he's just a calming voice. It reminds me very much of when Sergei Zuboff was playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pittsburgh fans will remember Zuboff. You know, to me, it was that when he has the puck all is well, you know, that kind of kind of quarterback. So but I agree with you. They need to get more physical. And I think during the regular season, you can get away with this, Chris. In the playoffs, I am worried about that physicality, especially going up against Colorado and Vegas, who exert their physicality and they know their game plan is out as far as how they can beat the Stars.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see how things play out between these two teams on Tuesday night, because both are coming off of disappointing performances, but the Stars got the result. The Penguins didn't. And the Stars, you would think, will play things a little more conservatively, perhaps, on the power play. Uh, the Penguins, they need to be more aggressive on the power play. They're playing patty cake around the perimeter all too often early on, trying to find some chemistry with Eric Carlson added to the mix. They've pulled Ricard Raquel off of the power play and thrown Brian rust on it at practice. So we'll see how it continues. It's going to be a good one Tuesday night. Hopefully both teams decide to open it up a little bit rather than draw back. And we get some fun hockey uh, with two teams that can skate pretty well, especially the stars. Gavin, thanks so much for the time today, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And real quick as a guy who attends every game, shout out to the pens fans. They are awesome when they come to Dallas. I won't say anything else about original six teams when they make here and, <laughs> and stuff like that, but Pens fans are amazing. So anytime the Pens come to Dallas, it's uh, pretty awesome. I'm excited about Tuesday night. It's going to be a good one.
1: Yeah, Pittsburghers, we're everywhere, as you saw uh, Sunday afternoon in L.A. with the Steelers-Rams, yep, absolutely. game. Absolutely. Wherever we go, we got that yellow towel p- tucked in our back pocket, <laughs> and we're ready to go, Gavin. You know how it is. Absolutely. You got a football team like that down in Dallas, too. Yep. So. Thanks again. Appreciate the time, man. Thanks, Chris. Appreciate you. Gavin Spittle, great stuff from him. The Spits and Suds podcast. If you're looking for more detailed analysis on the Dallas Stars to get you set up for Tuesday night's game at PPG Paints Arena, that's also inside your Odyssey app, which is the same way, or wherever you get your podcast. you get Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Make sure you follow and subscribe to Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Uh, check out Spits and Suds. Thanks again to Gavin. Maybe we'll throw together a little crossover post-game episode on Tuesday night. We'll see if we can make that happen as well. Thanks for watching on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page. If that's how you got today's episode, don't forget new episodes up all the time. So you want to make sure to follow and subscribe inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, or wherever you get your podcasts, the Fifth Avenue Faceoff.